0: Peace and love. This is Brother Fahim, and you are now tuning into the Leave of Logic podcast. You know the vibes. Peace, peace, y'all. Welcome back. Welcome back. This is the Leave Logic podcast. I'm your gracious host, Brother Fahim. Y'all come on in, man, and have a seat. Relax your mind. Let your conscience be free, man, and uh, see what we can get into today. Life is always moving at Ultra magnetic speed, like I always say, I'm, I'm always trying to latch on to the wheel that is life and make sense of it. And it uh, does me great, great pleasure to come here and, and share these issues with you guys to hopefully help enhance and advance your enlightenment. I can't say that enough. I, I really cannot. So thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. So much always going on, There's always so much going on in the world. I'm never super uh, short on content. It's just grabbing something and running with it, right? Grabbing something and being able to analyze it. So the newest thing that everybody's been talking about is Kanye West and this shirt that Kanye wore, right? White Lives Matter. (laughs) Kanye is a super controversial and super duper boisterous and outspoken individual. And I respect that about Kanye. I always have since I first heard his first mixtape. He seemed to have a unwavering confidence in himself that's absolutely necessary if you are to get to the next level in any aspect in life. And I think he should be applauded for that. I think anyone with that should be applauded. But um, as of late, Kanye's been a, up under a little bit more fire. Yeah, he's been up under a little bit more fire. Just recently, he had a fashion shirt in, P- in Paris and Kanye decided to, it wasn't enough, right, that he that he got with Candace Owens. <laughs> he actually had the nerve to wear a shirt. And this is the, the mainstream talking. This is not my spin. He actually had the nerve <laughs> to wear a shirt on the front that had the Pope on it, right? It had the Pope. I think it was a collage of the Pope, but on the back, it said that white lives matter and why did he do that as soon as he did that the airwaves went crazy and that's not, un- that's not uncommon to Kanye that's kind of like typical at this point I think it's typical Kanye behavior I think we should all know Kanye by now he knows how to grab us and abruptly shake us to get us to pay attention to whatever he's doing that's consistent it's classic Kanye but um but yeah, he, he he rocks a white Lives matter shirt over in Paris, and it didn't go too well over here in the, in the United States. <laughs> so I thought we would uh, we would dive into that now. I have to put this out there because I can't reiterate this enough. You know, whatever other people have going on, especially celebrities, right? It really doesn't matter. You know they have their people they're normal people with gifts and jobs just like everybody else what i do is i try to find the, the the message or find the underlying message that we can utilize to gain a little bit more knowledge wisdom and understanding and i say that to say you know that t-shirt might have been the focal point but there's something else There's an underlying message That I don't think that people At least in the mainstream People aren't discussing And I, I would like to discuss that today So, you know I call this episode I want to call this episode uh, Trigger Warning And I know If you look on Netflix A few years ago Killer Mike had did something Of the same sort He created like a whole Docu-series It was like maybe Six, seven parts It was called Trigger Warning But I would like to call this trigger warning because, number one, I'm warning y'all, you're going to be triggered. (laughs) But number two, I think that we are so emotionally charged right now. At this this junction in time that um, we need to really try to use some kind of logic and analysis so that we can ease up and slighten up off the gas of emotion so much. But nonetheless, I know that the masses will be triggered, so or were triggered, so I want to call this episode Trigger Warning. So what I did, first and foremost, I would like to present you guys with a couple of articles. Let's see what everybody is saying. Let's Let's read up. Let's get some literature, some objectivity going first, right? So I found an article in the Washington Post. I think I might just subscribe to the Washington Post. It's, it's so, so many dope articles in the Washington Post that I see and read. I'm like, wow, that's, that's amazing. Same with the New York Post. New York Times, I'm sorry. They always have good, good reads and they're super informative, super insightful on whatever topic. International relations, economics, politics, opinion, whatever it is. You get good stuff. Nonetheless, Washington Post, it was an article from November the 3rd, 2020. The title is Black Celebrities Have a Long History of Endorsing Republican Presidents. So let me pause. I think it's, if you all haven't realized this, it hadn't dawned on you. Kanye West has chosen his side. And his side is as a Republican. Right? He's chosen Republican conservative values. Now that's pretty taboo to black people, at least in the last, I'd say, what, 80, 80 years? Whenever it was, the FDR was the president. That's when black people became Democrats. But as of late, the liberal rhetoric, the, lib- the liberal ideology seems to be the, pr- the, the prominent and, and dominant ideology. Meaning, if you say anything that goes against the liberal Ideology, then you will most likely be ostracized, alienated, vilified, or all three. You know, so for kind of one, choose to be a Republican, that's taboo in the eyes of a lot of Afro Americans. And then for you to speak out against liberal ideology, the liberal philosophy, the liberal philosophy, that's double trouble. So, you know, when you watch, when you see those statements, let me establish that first understand that's a political statement that he's making white lives matter now it's up to you to say who what, when where why when you hear these things you know take account of yourself of, of yourself and how you think and how you feel that's one i read in the book 15 things that mentally strong people do you take account to your emotions and how you feel about certain people places and things right so when you hear something, how does it make you feel? When you talk to a person, how does it make you feel? When you go to a place, how do these things make you feel? That all makes a difference. because it's a way of kind of taking account and building up an, um, an emotional muscle memory. So when you hear things or see things that are emotionally charged or triggering, so to speak for you, it's good to remember that and ask yourself these questions before you dive down that emotional rabbit hole, right? But nonetheless, black celebrities have a long history of endorsing Republican Presidents. This is the article, one of the articles, one of the pieces of that I'm going to read to you guys. And as, again, I'm not going to read the whole thing. Just a couple of highlighted points that I want you guys to consider. So it says black celebrities from Paul Robeson to Beyonce have long been active in politics since using their bodies and their platforms to advocate for progressive policy, especially the realm of race and civil rights. In the closing days of the 2020 election, a number of black celebrities have channeled this star power in the presidential endorsements. Figures such as Dwayne, The Rock Johnson, LeBron James, John Legend, who joined vice presidential nominee Kamala D. Harris at, their, at a closing campaign rally Monday, have all attempted to use the celebrity status and influence the booth's voter to turnout and raise money for Joe Biden's presidential campaign. So it goes into that's just talking about Biden. A couple of celebrities ride The Rock. Braun and John Legend. But it also goes on to say Biden hasn't been the only presidential candidate to reap the rewards of celebrity recently. Over the past two months, a handful of high profile black celebrities, all of them men, have endorsed President Trump or revealed their willingness to work with him should he be reelected, Pointing to Ice Cube's contract with black America, 50 Cent social tax tirade, and Lou Wayne's photo op and declaration of support for the president many onlookers have struggled to make sense not only of trump garnering this kind of support but also for the willingness but also of the willingness of black celebrities to provide it i think it's interesting that she chose those three cube uh 50 and lil wayne because what all these three have obviously in common besides them being rappers is they're all pretty business-minded right when you watch straight out of compton you see where cube was the only one that did not sign the, the the contract 50 has been a businessman since he was been 11 and Lil Wayne, you saw you kind of learned a little bit about their struggles with baby over business over songs and royalty so that's that says that these guys are a little bit business savvy and cognizant of business so that's something to think about and that's important because business-minded people tend to vote Conservative, or uh, that they, they tend to, you know, side with the Republicans many times. A lot of your favorite, a lot of the personalities, a lot of historical personalities, they had conservative platforms that made them big, that made them huge when you really dissected. But it um, goes on to talk about the 90% disapproval rating among black voters, while more than 80% see him as a racist. This is Donald Trump. Now this is what I want you to hear. Though it's rare, there's a long history of Black celebrity endorsement of Republican presidential candidates, dating to the days when voting Republican was not yet taboo in Black communities. In 36, Olympic gold medalist Jesse Owens campaign for Republican nominee Alf. I mean, yeah, Alf Landon, the government of Kansas, in the midst of the Great Depression. Owens turned 30 states up and down the East Coast, declaring to more than 30. 30,000 potential black voters that the GOP candidate would protect economic rights, create more jobs, and instill confidence in American businesses. See, Jesse Owens was thinking economy. He was thinking economics. That's an important, that is an important and a consistent value or consistent theme that you're going to hear, right? Facing a star-studded Kennedy campaign, 60 Richard Nixon employed baseball legend Jackie Robinson to promote the Republican Party. By some accounts, Robinson visited dozens of cities in only a few months, preaching the gospel of two party competition. Though Nixon lost Robinson's support soon after the 1960 race between 68 and 72, he gained the support of even more black celebrities, despite the fact that his rhetoric and record on race and civil rights actually regressed in the Republican Party became more conservative, especially on issues of race. Wilt Chamberlain, James Brown, Jim Brown, Lionel Hampton, and most infamously Sammy Davis Jr. embraced Nixon and the party of the Southern strategy. The black celebrities who chose to endorse Nixon at the height of his unpopularity, were black audiences no less did so for tangible economic benefits. So you see where with these celebrities who did support these Republican candidates and these Republican presidents it was all economical they had no they had no real stock in civil rights issues or issues that dealt with social things because that that showed that we have we haven't always been so liberal minded or so hung up in social advances with other ethnic groups right many also saw their support interwoven with calls for black nationalism while it may seem paradoxical given the revolutionary goals of the black power movement celebrities such as jim brown uncritically embraced nixon call nixon's call for black capitalism as a means of uplifting black communities brothers and sisters that's important because i'm gonna tell you what most of your leaders that you love or at least the ones that know about a lot of these leaders, like Marcus Garvey, Noble Drew Ali, Elijah Muhammad, they all, in a sense, were conservative in that they believed that black people should. It wasn't just Booker T. Washington. Booker T. Washington is probably, I have to mention him because he's probably the most famous one, black conservative, I and mean, he gets the most flack when you read about him. They really, black people shun him, called him Uncle Tom, but he was a genius. When you go research, don't take my word. Go research the book of T. Washington. Look him up. See what he was talking about. See what he did. See what the results were of his actions and his work. But nonetheless, they all preached this black capitalism. They understood that, listen, we have to learn this system that we are enveloped in or enveloped, <laughs> that we're enveloped in, right? And we have to be able to master it and use it to our greater good. And that's what black capitalism is all about. As Biographer David Zeran said, Brown and others Like him were more than happy dealing with The devil or getting their hands dirty Since access to resources Not purity was the greater good In a capitalist society That's big Access to resources, not purity was the Greater good in a capitalist society In other words You know, you want to have Power and you cannot have Power without some sort of resources you cannot protect your community and your people without resources and power. But somewhere along the way, we got to where we wanted, purity and, you know, appealing to the conscious and being collaborative with all of these different interest groups and we forgotten all of this. And so I thought it was very interesting or I thought it was very important to read to you that Kanye West, is not the first celebrity who has engaged in the taboo when it comes to political campaigning it talks about him ralph abernathy and 80 and mahon ali endorsing ronald reagan easy e being a registered republican you know these 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 guys were you know these guys were trying to make money they were trying to consider economy over equality because they understood that equality is a utopic uh, it's almost you know it it exists in a utopian society in in every society there will there will be issues and within this social um, within this capitalist society that we live in united states equality is a far-fetched thing There's, there's still no equality in 2022 if you don't believe me do some do some research on the crime rates, right? Different suspects from different ethnic groups commit the same percentages of crime, but they get they get penalized differently. You know, people with the same credentials from different ethnic groups and different ethnicities, they don't get the same opportunities on jobs. And if they do, they don't get the same pay. So yeah. But yeah, I just wanted you guys to hear that. And uh, if you get a chance, like I said, read that. Now, it's another book called Saviors or Sellouts. And it goes into a little bit of defining what the black conservative wants. Right? And this is all relative to Kanye West. This all points back to Kanye. And I'm going to tell you why. As soon as I read. Because he actually did an interview, right? Kanye actually spoke out. He actually gave us what he meant. That's what I love about the news, about certain aspects of the news. You can, you can get the person, you can get the you can get it right from the horse's mouth. Let me say that. You can get the information right from the horse's mouth. They can clarify exactly what it is that they meant. And Kanye is very good about clarifying. He's very good about coming in and telling you one way or the other. This is what I meant. If it's not him on. The Sway Show, it's not him on TMZ arguing with Van Lathan. <laughs> you know, it's not him and Trump and Steve Harvey and Jim Brown. I should say him and Jim Brown chopping it up with Trump. Kanye's going to make himself accessible, visible, so that you can understand exactly what he was meaning. But it's a book called Saviors of Sellouts. The Promise and Peril of Black Conservatism. From Booker T. Washington to Condoleezza Rice. And it's by Christopher Allen Bracy. The book is amazing it, it, it charts black conservatism through some linings that you never know what conservative like the nation of islam is a very conservative group and when you research what they you look at their core values and the tenets of, of that they stand on it's very conservative marcus garvey and his movement was a very conservative movement right you know it talks about thomas Sewell, you know different people Booker T. Washington, him and his movement, it gives you great detail as what they, what their philosophies were on how black people were to live and to advance. And a lot of it was right wing. Again, me going back to, we just jumped on this liberal train recently. That's a recent phenomenon, but nonetheless, in the book, it's chapter six, the reformation of, the, of black conservatism. I wanna read just a couple of things and again this is about black conservatives it says some commentators have described black conservatism in the immediate aftermath of the civil rights movement as divided into two camps fundamentalist conservatives and anti-government conservatives the fundamentalists according to this view are social conservatives who tend to focus on traditional black family values including moral and religious faith as essential prerequisites to black empowerment In this sense, black fundamentalist conservatives are not unlike white social conservatives who draw inspiration from the father, quote unquote, of white social conservatism, Edmund Burke. In this sense, black family values are not viewed as unique to blacks or the black experience, but simply a reflection or mild interpretation of traditional white family value systems. Notable modern examples of Black Fundamentalist Conservatives include Joe Clark, the former Pasadena High School principal whose work was dramatically captured in the mainstream film *Lean on Me*. He just passed. Conservative radio talk show host Armstrong Williams and former Reagan official U.S. Senate candidate and U.S. presidential candidate Alan Keyes. The other camp, the anti-government conservatives, are defined by their staunch opposition to direct government intervention in Black life. Anti-government conservatives are unwavering supporters of capitalism and are steadfast opponents of affirmative action in the welfare state. They are less concerned with moral or spiritual uplift and more focused on producing a culture of self-help and self-reliance within the black community. Modern anti-government conservatives thought to, to include the likes of economists Thomas Sewell, Glenn Lowry, at least the first incarnation more or this later, and walter williams recall an earlier period of black conservative philosophy in which racial uplift was defined almost exclusively in market-oriented terms i'm gonna say that again walter williams recalls an earlier period of black conservative philosophy in which racial uplift was defined almost exclusively in market-oriented terms that means that there was a time when black people defined black empowerment as black economics that's how you that's that's important for y'all to understand because that's the reason why we saw so many towns and places like black wall street and east st louis illinois these places were all the type of uh, they were all run by that black conservative philosophy where if we're gonna uplift ourselves then we're gonna have to do it in a black capitalistic way right lyra succinctly captured the anti-government view when he wrote booker t washington understood that when the effect of past oppression is to leave people in a diminished state, the attainment of true equality with the former oppressor cannot depend overly much upon his generosity. It must ultimately derive from an elevation of their slaves above the state of diminishment." In other words, you can't rely. If slavery's goal was to make a slave and master type of relationship, gonna have to break the chains of that and begin relying on ourselves we can't overly rely on our open enemy our oppressor or an oppressive system to free us right to you know emancipate us just a little bit more than we will lead us alone right so you it talks about these different points that were emphasized in black conservatism right i think it's like five or six of them so i'm gonna read you a few of them so first post-racial civil rights era black conservatives retained the inward focus of early black conservative thought directing much of the energy to the task of self-critique of the black community in contrast to the liberal focus on external causes of black disempowerment black conservatives of this era preferred to identify areas within the black community that could be strengthened spiritually morally and and or culturally. It, it also talked in this book, real quick, Talking about Bill Cosby and Chris Rock and how they would oftentimes spew conservative rhetoric. That, to be specific, when Bill Cosby was talking about, when he made that speech about black people not cutting it, that was considered a conservative speech. And also, if you've ever seen Rock's 97, I think it's 97, Bring the Pain, when he talked about he loved black people, but he hated niggas. Yeah, that was conservative rhetoric right and they were basically saying the same thing but well, rock said it in a more cool chic way right but nonetheless you see how in these days the con- it was contrast you know black conservatives looked at they looked inward and they were critiquing of self and they didn't really look for external causes of black disempowerment they, that wasn't even their focus they looked for ways that they could go go to self you know what i mean be yourself and accept your own and be yourself they were looking to accept their own and be themselves and look within themselves, they were being exclusive, right? They were exclusively saying, you know what? We need to look amongst ourselves and see what, what strengths and weaknesses we have. We're not concerned about what is holding us back and what's holding us down. That's not to negate the white power structure. We we'll never negate that. That's just saying that we don't focus on that. We want to advance ourselves. That's what This was the theme of black conservatism. Second, black conservatives of this era genuinely believed that progress would only come about when blacks learned to do for themselves, though they often disagreed on whether and to what extent white society could be called upon to ameliorate racial obstacles. In other words, how much help do we get from these people, right, other than our own? Black conservatives were unified in the belief that true empowerment must be sourced from blacks themselves. So we can't. We can't have empowerment if we're coalitioned up with people who have their own best interests. The black conservatives understood that. That was, their, that was one of the things in this era. Third, consistent with the idea of self help, black conservatives placed a premium edu- on education in their approach to racial empowerment. Though they sometimes disagreed on the specific nature of that education, religious versus vocational, for instance, most, if not all, conservatives agreed that black progress hinges on the ability. Of blacks to acquire the intellectual and psychological wherewithal to provide for themselves and protect their own interests. Providing for ourselves and protecting our own interests. Do we do a vocational? Do we go to college? Do we get it in the spiritual realm? What, what do we do that can help us as a collective to better ourselves, to, to enrich our lives? fourth the black conservative of this era shared the view that racial progress must entail some form of economic empowerment that's what's missing that's what a lot of this these i guess would you say generation z a lot of these young brothers and sisters are realizing that i'm gonna read that again the view that racial progress must entail some form of economic empowerment and you know (laughs) <laughs> economic empowerment meaning more than just a high salary job right i mean there's nothing wrong with working for a small time for someone else but then branching off still in a way so that you can build something for yourself there's nothing wrong with that at all but you have to have economic empowerment that doesn't get focused on enough when we talk about racial empowerment and racial advancement oftentimes that's the last thing spoken about you know we have all these cliches we have all this celebrity and uh figure worship historical figure worship but we never really dig into and dissect what they were what their philosophies were and how to engage and activate those philosophies so yeah that um economic it has to they thought it. they believed it has to entail some economic empowerment Uh, Though there may have been disagreement over Whether such empowerment was to be Secured exclusively through market means Or through some combination of federal and of state subsidy All conservatives of this period Understood that racial progress Was incomplete With some degree of black Without Was incomplete with some degree of black economic empowerment So they understood where they were right then It was ineffective because they didn't have any economic empowerment Fifth, black conservatives generally adopted Realistic views of American society And the prospect of racial empowerment they rejected unanchored idealistic theories about social equality, preferring to pursue pragmatic strategies that were directly responsive to present problems and designed to secure immediate, tangible gains for Blacks. So they were very pragmatic. They weren't utopian in their thinking. It wasn't this kumbaya feeling that we were going to get something from these people just because it was the right and just thing to do, the fair and equitable thing to do. No, we have to look at where we are, we have to look at where we've been, and look at where we're trying to go. And that's what they were doing. Finally, post-civil rights era black conservatives retained the core aspiration of black conservatism that people should strive to lead autonomous, self-directed lives. Indeed, the rejection of liberal alternatives turned precisely on this point. Black conservatives were unapologetically opposed to becoming wars of the state. Like all of the Americans, black conservatives viewed the qua Non of Empowerment. To entail the capacity to direct one's own life affairs. That's where you have people like um, Elijah Muhammad and Marcus Garvey and Noble Ali. That's where they come in, their philosophies. Hey, we wanna we wanna manifest our own destiny. We don't want this help. We don't want this welfare. Uh, Elijah Muhammad said welfare means farewell to the working and the producing spirit. So yeah. Yeah, we were, as black conservatives, we were very much in tune with autonomy, doing for self, cutting away from liberal ideologies that would constrain us and constrain our ability to be a nation and to be self-sustaining, right? And that's, I think that's critical for us to understand that on the other side, because so many of us are so liberal Minded politically that when anybody says anything that is adverse or is that or is the opposite to what we've been fed, you know, we don't see any value in it. So yeah, yeah. Now, one more aspect of the book, one more thing I want to read from the book. Later on, it talks about the influence of infotainment (laughs) and basically how entertainers you know how they have been influential or how they influence you know the perspective of 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 the black community different things that they have said different things that they have done and in this book it highlights like i mentioned earlier it highlights bill cosby and talks about that famous speech where bill cosby was you know, discussing inner-city Afro-Americans and how they weren't cutting the mustard. Also mentions Chris Rock, as I said. Now, you know, they highlighted something in the midst of talking about Bill Cosby. They highlighted something that I wanted to that I wanted to bring to you all because I think this sums up the conservatives' thought process on, you know, the liberals and how Liberal mind, uh, liberal mindsets, or liberal, liberal objective points—how it can affect us. So, remember I mean, this is in the vein of Bill Cosby. the discussed Bill Cosby before this, but it says the vibrancy of the infotainment medium also lent credibility to Cosby's comments. Those are the comments regarding in the city black people not cutting it. Remember, Armstrong Williams, a radio show host and uh, commentator based in Washington D.C has steadfastly maintained that the black community is in crisis and that blacks should not look to help from sympathetic liberals to solve their problems. To do so, in Williams' view, is to embrace a destructive slave mentality. As he wrote in USA Today in 1994, we need to break away from the crippling political orthodoxy that has kept us begging for crumbs at the back stoop of the Democratic plantation. You know... I just wish that we could step away from liberal ideologies just long enough to think critically and consider other perspectives and viewpoints within our community we have to be able to do that and we do it on some levels we make allowances for certain things but then we are we are stern About others, right? Yeah, we make a lot of allowances for certain things, and then other things. It's like we won't have that. But nonetheless, what I did was I watched Kanye's interview. Right, he interviewed with Chris uh, Carl Tucker or Chris Tucker. What's this guy's name? I'm gonna look it up. But he did an interview, and it was it was pretty interesting. You know, it was very interesting to say the least. What came of it? But he really, you know, they asked him about the shirt, asked him about Trump, they asked him about all sorts of things. And Kanye didn't disappoint. He didn't disappoint at all. So let me, I'm sitting here typing this right now. I'm going to try to find out who, cause I want to give y'all who that was. Because y'all should go back and watch it. you should watch it for yourself and uh, i think you will uh i think you will enjoy it you will know, enjoy it so Kanye of defense so let's see here carlson tucker that's his name on fox news now fox is a very right-wing news station and let's let's put this out there as well right i really don't i'm not a political person i'm not a guy who involves themselves in politics at all. You know, I don't believe it, but politics, I don't think that we're at the stage. Dr. Claude Anderson, who Kanye mentions in the interview, he talks about a building with, I think, five stories and politics being one of those stories. But the first story being education. Each foundation is set upon or erected by the other. And at the base of the foundation is black business. So what that says to me is black business has to be strong and fortified before we can ever get to the political level. And we're just not there yet. We're still in our infantile stage. We're even understanding politics. And I say that because we go on these campaigns like vote or die. You know, we we allow the media to sway our perspectives with propaganda, Trump's the boogeyman. So expect nothing from Biden, right? (laughs) <laughs> so I'm not saying that I identify with either one but I just want to say I understand that Fox News and the Republicans are only utilizing Kanye because he's spouting off rhetoric that they can align with he's essentially spouting off a lot of right wing rhetoric and that's their rhetoric and so that's why they are putting him up on all of these platforms and putting him out because in a sense he's a black man who is spewing the rhetoric or reinforcing the beliefs of the republican party now i'm i'm speaking about black conservatism and how that affects our community and how we are to engage it and how we should not be triggered by it when we identify when we see right so just so you know i don't want y'all thinking that i'm a fox news supporter i'm a republican reporter i'm not at all Um, i have my reservations about which party you know has done more and which party has done less and which party is more apparent uh transparent than the other but this is just about black conservatives being on display but i digress so yeah he talks to carlson tucker and he says a couple of things that I thought were interesting. He talked about political hostility, right? Liberal domination. He said that, you know, he was bullied into not admitting that he supported Trump. Now, I can identify with that because a lot of people during the presidential campaign and during the run, a lot of my close relatives, a lot of people who I was close to, a lot of black folks, really, Trump was like the candy man. You know, don't say Trump's name five times in the mirror or he will get elected. You'll get reelected. <laughs> He's like the candy man almost, you know, and that's fine. That's cool. But what are you telling me? What is the next you're asking me to vote for somebody? But what are they? What do I have to gain people? What are you? What have you done for me lately? Right. Women have no problem asking a man. What have you done for me to keep me loyal, to keep me next to you? But we have all, our community seems to have all the problem with being, using that same energy and that same scrutiny when it comes to what's gonna help us or who we should throw our support around, right, nationally. So he, he made a great point when he said, yeah, I was bullied. I liked Trump when he was running, but I just couldn't come out and admit it. Me not being, feeling comfortable to say, I like Trump when he's running is a form of political hostility, and it really is. And that's only because the liberal rhetoric, the liberal philosophy is so prominent. You see what I'm saying? That's the only reason that it's like that. Now, maybe if the conservative rhetoric were prominent, it might be a little bit different. It probably would be a little bit different. We'd be having a different discussion. But just so you know, that's what you're seeing when you see that. There's no reason to be hostile, though. My my perspective is when people have opposing views or polar opposite views, as long as you can make sense, as long as you can explain it in a way that you, you know, you understand it and you understand how and why, and you know, you can articulate to me, I mean, like, it's not like you owe me, but if you can articulate to me how it's gonna benefit you and why you stand on it, I respect it, whether I agree with it or not. Yeah, I respect it. There's no harsh feelings. There's no, I'm not gonna say, you are one thing or another because you don't feel like I feel. You have your your reasons, right? You have your reasons. So he mentioned that. I thought that was interesting. He talked about genocide through obesity, right? He talked about Lizzo and how he knows Lizzo's trainer. And he said something that I thought was profound. He said, to present unhealthy, being unhealthy to the black community it's genocide, and it is. It is. See, and what happens is, people begin to get lost in the details. People will teeter on, "Well, you're you're fat shaming, you're body shaming." No, listen, we love thick women. <laughs> Let me say, black men do. We love thick women. I've said this before in my podcast. If you're a thick, shapely woman, that's amazing. That is amazing. But you just can't be big and obese, though. That's not cute. And forget it not being cute. Because it's somebody for everybody, right? It's not healthy. It's not healthy. That's the point. It's not healthy. You know, so when he said that, I was like, wow, he's right. To to to, to flaunt that in the black community's face. No other community flaunts obesity. Think about it think about it they don't revel in being obese the way we do and i i get it like women from african lineage like from the diaspora that's, that's if you're a black woman in north america if you're a black woman in brazil if you're a black woman on the continent you're gonna be more shapely your body is divine you know it's it's curvaceous you know what did not say in that song you uh you, shape, you taste like banana cake. you shape like the number eight. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of y'all is shaped like the number eight, man, like hourglass. But some of y'all is built like a goddamn gallon tub, jug, you know, that Ozark. And you, you know, you, and that's okay. But don't pass that to the people like that's healthy because it's not. It's not. And the liberals have made it Okay you know, don't body shame, you know what I'm saying, don't, uh, don't, don't, don't try to tell a woman about how being obese is unhealthy, well, it is, it's, it's unhealthy for all of us, men included, whoever you are, there's nothing cool about being obese, man, for your health, not for what other people think, not for what other people are saying, just for your health, We all we all know that with fat comes with disease, and with disease comes shortage of life, so Kanye was dead on when he was talking about that, right and this was something else that I thought was huge they talked a little bit about Kim and how Kim knew uh, (laughs) the Clintons, whatever but what was more profound to me, or what I identified more, he said, you know, here my wife is, the mother of four being exploited He didn't say that. He said, here she is, a billionaire with four kids, with four black children. And she's showing her ass on these magazines. You know, that's distasteful. And it is. That's very distasteful. And I get it. Some people listening are going to say, well, she did have that Ray J tape. And she did. Absolutely, she did. And a lot of rappers discuss, you know, killing and, and, and giving poison to their community. But then they change. So, yeah, it's cool. Kim is... She can change. Everybody can change and rebrand. We live in America. This is a corporation. It's for sale. It's We can market ourselves. We can rebrand ourselves. Point being, she doesn't have to do that. Why would she do that? Why would she stoop to those means? Why would she continue to put her ass out when you don't have to do that? Right? And, and Kim does a lot. Kim does some good stuff. A lot of people don't like Kim. A lot of people say she... You know she her and her family are just uh, they just got wealthy doing nothing. I d- I disagree with that. Kim was a model. Kim was a stylist. Kim has done a lot of things to earn her her worth. and her mother's a hustler. They are a family of hustlers. I say that all the time. I can't knock nobody's hustle. I can't. I really can't. but I think that when we reach a certain, it's the same as these these rappers who, make it up out of the situation and they're still rapping about killing and bitches and holes and things that are just destructive to the community. You don't have to do that when you gain a certain level of success. It's unnecessary. It's destructive. And so I understand where Kanye's coming from. I do. I get it. He also talked about judgment by blacks of blacks, what did he say? What do I mean by that, he said black people judge each other through white standards and a white paradigm that really doesn't even I didn't that, that, that doesn't even apply to them, <laughs> right? He said something like black progress with a white goal line, right? You'll never you'll never attain it. You'll never reach it. And some would say, well, what does that mean? What does that look like? What it looks like is you adding these norms and values that are external to your community. It's an old days that says, you know, a fish will never be able to climb up a tree because that's not what it does. Right. <laughs> because it, it has different, different values, different norms. Culturally, it's a lot different. So, he's right. We do gauge each other through white eyes. That's that's the funny thing. Charleston White puts it like this. We hate each other, but we look for acceptance from white people. That's the truth. That's the stark truth. We do hate each other with a passion, and we should not. And it's, you know, it's for different reasons, but a lot of it is for us having a difference of opinion. Something else uh, Charleston White said, and I might have said it in in like the last episode, but it's worth saying again. He said poor people and black people are the only people that think that words justify being hostile and violent with one another. Right. And we do. We'll look at each other crazy. You know, we'll cut it. We quick to flick each other off. Now, all people do that, really. When you driving, it's everybody. It's not just black folks. It's everybody. I've, I've, I've experienced that a few times, <laughs> but it hurts a little bit more when it's from my own people inside or people that look like me. Let me say that, right? But we don't hardly do anything to external entities, right? We don't. We don't really get bucked with other other groups the way we will with ourselves. You know, so, but yeah, we do, we do judge each other through this European lens, through this Eurocentered paradigm. And we should not, we, we really should not. Now, this, this jumped out the last, one of the last points he, he talked about Cube and the contract for Black America. And he also mentioned Dr. Claude Anderson, you know, the author of Poweronomics. So that shows you right there. I thought that was that was phenomenal because what a lot of people are going to say when they see that interview is that or what they're saying is, forgive me, he's a sellout. He's for white folks. And by the way, let me say this, because I didn't clarify. this He said he wore that shirt. He talked to his dad. He thought it was funny. And I think he, he left out a tweet. You know, he was being sarcastic. Right. Because like myself, he didn't really support the Black Lives Matter movement. He didn't support the movement. And and it, I didn't, you know, I it, I didn't support it not because I thought they were taking money. I just didn't support it because I didn't think it was an organically and authentically black movement. I thought that it was a movement for the the black auxiliary of the LGBTQ and for black feminism. That's what it was to me. That's what they were in their own words. That was the reason I didn't support it. It has nothing to do with you know conservative and liberal politics. It was, y'all were standing on something that was destructive and counterproductive to the black family. That was the whole reason I didn't like him, and I still don't like him. It was just funny when I heard that they were stealing. And coming up and mismanaging i think that's that's why the republicans are gonna highlight right they're gonna say well see they're thieves nah you know i don't i don't know anything about that i I saw some stuff in the news but nah it was had nothing to do with the money aspect of it it had everything to do with the cultural aspect and you know who they who they were really supporting and advocating for but kanye mentioning contract for black america which is not his first time Uh, Claude Anderson, he mentioned that, which is not his first time. That shows that he really has black people's best interest in mind, right? He's moving toward black people. At least he's mentioning black folks. And those were that contract for black America, power nomics. Those are two powerful and profound pieces of literature that you should read if you get your hands on. And lastly something I want to say everybody has an opinion. Again, we can't really shoot each other down. We have to we have to make an allowance for the diversity of philosophy. We can't just we can't just get reactive when people start to mention conservative or liberal talking points. That's not it. that we can have a healthy dialogue without being disrespectful with one another, right? What what my mind goes to is, a few years ago, there was a summit had and Candace Owens I saw I could see in my mind that I, Candace Owens is on stage with T.I. and Killer Mike, and I forget the famous uh, host's name. He yeah, he has long dreads, and um, she was trying to talk, and T.I. just came out of character. He started cutting her off and being ignorant and being, you know, he could not. He could not respect his sister enough to even allow her to finish what she was saying, regardless if he disagreed or not. There's a way to be in your masculinity and still allow her her femininity. Just because y'all have a difference in perspective or philosophy, that don't mean you be disrespectful, right? So Killer Mike spoke and he said, what we're seeing is two slaves speaking about who has the better master. And I thought that was funny, but I thought it was pretty thorough because what he was essentially saying was both of y'all sound silly protecting a white master right and that's my point just because kanye isn't protecting or glorifying your master don't be mad at it and don't rush to judgment when people you know <laughs> do these outlandish things first of all we should be about the business of building ourselves up economically building our legacies up but if we are to engage, there's a way so that we're not triggered, so we don't need a trigger warning. Because right now we absolutely do need one. Right? So I want you guys, before I get off here, I want you guys to ask yourself this question. Are we an action-based culture or are we a speaker-based culture? Which one do we do we like to see people do? Do we like to hear a speech or do we like to see a speech? I like to see a speech, and I wouldn't always like that, you know? I was no different, you know, I like and I still love, you know I'm I'm in the culture as well, I was indoctrinated, I was, you know, raised up like everybody else, I went to church, I did all the things that, everybody, that most people did, right relatively speaking so I love the entertainment of it all the hooping and hollering but as you get older, you start to say, okay it's really about what happens after all that's done, you know what are you doing what are you putting your Are you putting your money where your mouth is? Or are you you a lot of mouth? And another thing. Ask yourself, brothers and sisters. Do people's public words outweigh their private and public actions? They shouldn't. One big... One big um, example I want to give you guys. I remember a while ago, T.I. tried to boycott Gucci, right? For 90 days. So... Floyd Mayweather they asked him did he wear Gucci he said I wear whatever I want to wear T.I. goes back and makes a song about it you know questioning his blackness it got personal so brother Polite brother Polite he stepped in and he said you know he was in support of Floyd and so (laughs) they started to criticize brother Brother Polite and Polite came back with something so profound he said you know why many of you all are talking at Black Power stuff, wearing dashikis. And as soon as somebody else that you don't like what they have to say, as soon as they say something, you deem them a coon, you deem them Uncle Tom. But guess what? I made up my own. I've made up my own African language. I've written over 90 books. My children go to homeschool. My wives have businesses. I was supporting one wife for years before we ever got, you know, otherwise we support businesses. We do not use or utilize any other ethnic groups services we do all of these things now you can't say to me that i'm a coon just because you don't like the difference of my opinion and my perspective and who i might decide to support i totally agree with polite and i thought he ate people's butt up with that and he should have made people think to themselves like whoa what what does it really mean to be uh to say black power. Is it a bunch of talking, or is it a bunch of doing? It should be a bunch of doing, right? Next, who are our leaders? Do entertainers really matter that much? You know, I heard 19 Keys say, and he was quoting, I should say he was quoting the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, and he was when he said, the devil's job is to distract you from building your heaven on earth. Because if you were given the keys, and you were so accustomed to being programmed and distracted, you wouldn't even use the key to get yourself out of that bondage. Listen, celebrities have their role in society and oftentimes it's not as leader. You know, they're auxiliary to the leader that, you know, they're not the the leader. They don't hold as much weight. That's not the, that's not what they've decided to do. So we have to watch when we give these celebrities so, so much or we're super heavy, or we're super uh, critical, or super—I or should say—overly critical. Because it's okay to to, to to have a healthy critique of whoever and whatever, but let's not be excessively to the point where we're we're talking about canceling Kanye. Because, see, maybe maybe some another party when back when he said George Bush doesn't like black people, maybe there was another factor that wanted to cancel him then. Because he was speaking something contrary to their belief politically, you see. So, yeah, these entertainers, um, they shouldn't be viewed as leaders in that way, you know. Next, do we scrutinize politicians, agendas, and parties, and people whose values align with ours as intensely as we do those whose values don't align, and why? Why? my favorite my favorite saying that crime bill joe sleepy joe said was if you don't vote for me you ain't black (laughs) Hey, we let him get away with that we let him have the audacity and the nerve to say that and now look at where we are did we did you did you investigate biden did you see what he stood on as a senator what his platform was, what his campaign platform was. Did you look at any work that he did? Did you scrutinize him? Did you put the same energy, did we put the same energy in scrutinizing Biden that we did with Trump? Ask yourself that. You should. Because it'll only enrich the practice of how you come to an intelligent and logical answer and perspective, right? And you can therefore make a better decision for your community because I've heard this as well a lot of those communities like in chicago right the safety go look up the safety act they've had they have a whole list of crimes this is real they're calling it the purge act it's a whole list of crimes that do not have bond anymore it's like kidnapping hate crimes uh, armed robbery these things what it means is you can commit these crimes and be right back out on the street these are liberal run communities and 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 states that are allowing these things right so are we are we are we scrutinizing these liberals the way we scrutinize the conservatives and if not why aren't we because we should be right I'm not saying you know let one or the other off the hook I'm saying have the same energy with each of them go about it the same let no one off the hook we have no friends in politics just benefactors, that's it. You know, like I said, I respect that Kanye has consistently been a free man and he's been unfiltered and unapologetic about what he does and how he feels. And you should too, regardless if you like what he said. And yeah, um, <laughs> to say white lives matter, you know, that kind of negates. I get it. I get the argument against it. It negates the systemic issues and obstacles that we as black people have had to endure. That's absolutely the truth. And it opened, you know, it, it does. But, you know, what is he doing? What did he mean by it? where was it coming from and why did he say it? I think people should gain that ambition to research before they just begin to uh, speak on things. I think that'll help. That'll help. Uh, that'll help us. But I'm not with a lot of these antics that the liberals get down with, you know, the safety act the no voting, no fucking video. it's if you don't vote, you don't get no sex. You know, and I'm definitely not for any ideology, LGBTQ or black feminism that separates the black family. That ain't it for me, yo. Not at all. Yeah, I'm not with that at all. You know, I'm not with the annex. You know, the, the, I remember it was it was it was uh, Mia X and Juvenile. They didn't pay them. <laughs> You need to you need to back that boat up. You know that's it's it's it's. I mean, it's it's almost the same as when I see these commercials and they're playing this black music. They're, they're clearly marketing to black people, right? They understand the the depth and the effects of subliminal advertising. They understand the impact that music has, but these people have taken it to a whole nother level. They have Trina on there, all these celebrities who would, (laughs) these celebrities who have the audacity and the nerve to criticize Kanye, but they engage in buffoonery and coonery themselves, right? It's no different to me. It's no different. So that's why that's furthermore motivation and furthermore, you know, reason why I'm not quick to run with the groupthink and just get triggered. Cause they all do it they do on some level they all do it but yeah check that out no vaccine no fucking. that's that's what's out there and trina and some other dude is you know trying to get you to get votes saying if you don't vote you don't get no sex that's horrible that is that i mean that's that's embarrassing but one last thing that i wanted to mention to you guys about black conservatism there are aspects about black conservatism that I possess that you all possess. But this whole economic revolution that we are experiencing online, like the Invest Fest, like the Wall Street Trapper, Digital Real Estate, the All Black Convention, all of these things, these are all conservative-minded brain children, right? They all were created by black people with the mindset of doing for self and building wealth, right? that's what they were so there's some good there's some absolute benefit that we can all you know tap into by possessing or at least considering some of these black conservative tenets. i'm not saying i agree with everything anybody says because i don't right and i think kanye (laughs) i understand him i understand his I understand he's a person who's who has a condition i understand he married a woman who's armenian who's that's european so his children are part original man part european right and i understand that he's his reception in the world has not been an easy one it's been a rough one so there are points like 50 Cent said, there are points where he had to be overly confident. He had to be overly assertive. And that comes off as arrogance and that comes off as ignorance to some. But that's how he's had to sustain himself to get where he is. Tiny is a billionaire, y'all. How many of y'all could say y'all are billionaires? I can't. That's what I'm striving for. I cannot. And you should be striving for it too because it means that your family's legacy will be secured. It doesn't mean it it gets you all the way safe cuz it doesn't. But it, it it makes life a little bit easier for those generations to come. Right? So yeah, we can we can learn something from Mr. West. But if if you didn't get nothing else from me, I just hope that you guys gain the ambition to go and research And that you also lead with your logic before you allow your emotions to creep in. Three things that you should have learned in college if you went to college. If you didn't, these are the three things. These are the primary things that you will learn. How to write, how to think critically, and how to research. That's it. That's all. Those are the only three things that you should come away from college knowing how to do very, very well. A lot of the material that you engage in, you'll forget. You will, but you won't forget those things. Whether it's writing code, whether whatever it's writing. You know, writing, critical thinking, and analytical research. Those are the three things that, that college should provide you with, you know. But, hey man, I appreciate y'all coming through and listening. This one's a little bit longer than normal. Trying to do these things a little bit more consistently i am um taking my act on the road i'll be in charlotte north carolina from the 27th through the 30th i'll be at the all black national convention posted up i have a booth i'll be selling my merch i'll be spreading my message i'll be networking i will be taking in black excellence and black greatness i'll be trying to learn more and as i try to teach a little bit more so if you're gonna be in charlotte from that time, come on out. Um, it's hoodie season. I have hoodies on sale right now. If you look on the lead with logic page. I posted a lot of well, some of my hoodies up. I'm gonna have to post a couple more. You know, you can hit me, you can inbox me. Follow me on IG, Lead with Logic, Lead with Logic on IG. I am on Apple Podcasts, I'm on Google Plus, I'm on Anchor, and I'm on Spotify and i'm on amazon music these are all different outlets that y'all can go to and listen to brother fahim and get plugged in and tuned in with the knowledge wisdom and understanding that i provide listen it's always a blessing to to be here with you guys go out and support black business you know go out and enjoy some some sunshine everybody loves the sunshine folks get down and get brown in the sunshine <laughs> and like uh like minister malcolm used to say may we all meet someday in the light of understanding we all meet in the light of understanding someday hey peace and love y'all thank you